If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let me invite you to turn with me to Luke chapters 1 and 2. I'm going to be reading several passages for us from uh, this familiar section of Scripture. Uh, we'll see a pattern that emerges in each one of the sections that I'm going to read, and I think the, the theme of the pattern really complements well uh, what we've been considering in Philippians over the past uh, number of months. But in particular, the way it will unfold for us in Luke is each of the people or, or, or group of people that are uh, in the text that I'll be reading are confronted by an angelic visitor. And the response that they have to the visitation is what I think is appropriate and what we might expect. Namely, they're terrified. They're frightened by the appearance that is before them, by sometimes the words that are said themselves. It is a serious and a deep fear that comes upon them. And then the next thing that we see is the response of the angel to the fear that is obvious in the people that are before the angel, and the response is basically the same each and every time, namely, do not be afraid, fear not. And then after that is said by the angel, the angel provides not merely the call to fear not, but goes on to explain why why you should not have the particular fears that are assailing you. And that's especially what we want to look at today is why not be afraid. So let me read these sections for us. They're printed in your bulletins so you can follow along there or uh, in your Bibles as you would prefer. Let me begin uh, with the Word of God, Luke chapter 1, verse 8, Zech about Zechariah. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Uh, next, picking up at verse 26, the Annunciation to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now turn over one page to Luke chapter 2, and we'll read of the shepherds beginning in verse 8. 
and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we would see you through your word, through the preaching of your word, we pray that you would enable us by the working of your spirit to encounter you, to behold your glory, to see your compassion, to see your power, to receive your peace in the midst of a troubled world and our own troubled hearts. So be with us now as we look at this great word. We pray in your name. Amen. There are so very many things in this world that can make us afraid. We can be afraid of heights. We can be afraid of tight and closed-in spaces. Some people are the opposite of that, of course. They are afraid of open spaces. Some people are afraid of crowds. Other people are afraid of being alone. Some people are fearful about getting lost. Maybe you're afraid of failure. Maybe you're afraid of people who because of what they've done and because of what they've said or circumstances who are now considered to be enemies in your life, those who are clearly against you. Maybe you're afraid of failure. Maybe you are afraid of your financial future, unsure in a time of uncertainty whether your investments will make it through your retirement. Maybe you're afraid that something might happen to your children along the way. That they might go off course, be injured, get sick, or worse. Maybe you are afraid of contracting some kind of a protracted and prolonged illness. Maybe your worst fear would be going to the doctor and hearing the doctor say that you have cancer. Or maybe for you the fear would be Alzheimer's more than cancer itself. Maybe a fear that you have would be a fear of losing somebody you love, somebody who's closest to you in this world. Maybe you're afraid of flying. Maybe you're afraid of spiders. Maybe you were fearful of exams that you had to take last week. Maybe, uh, maybe public speaking is the thing. Maybe that's what gives you the most shivers down your spine. Maybe you are fearful of needles. When I was a kid, whew, that was up there on my fear list, needles. Not anymore for whatever reason, but it was there. Maybe you're afraid of doctors, of dentists. Maybe you're afraid that you will do something 
or have done something foolish or just plain wrong, and it'll be discovered. It'll be found out, and it'll be published, and everybody will know about you and what you are actually like. Everybody. Everybody is afraid of something. Sometimes we know what we're afraid of, and sometimes we don't. I was uh, listening to uh, a, a radio report, uh, an interview that a reporter was doing with an investigative reporter this week, and I caught it at the tail end of the interview, but the investigative reporter had discovered something. I, I don't, I, I actually can't remember what it was that the investigative reporter had discovered. Let's say it was something like some chemical seep seepage from a particular plant. They had found out about it and published it, gotten it known so that there was the ability to make a correction to it. It was something like that. And the investigative reporter uh, was being interviewed by another reporter, and at the end of the interview, the investigative reporter said that what concerned her most was not the thing that she had uncovered, but the unknown unknowns. Now, that's a Rumsfeldian way of speaking. If, uh, I don't know if she recognized that, but if you remember that, uh, there, are, there are known knowns, there are known unknowns, and there are unknown unknowns. And the person who was doing the interview concluded by saying, indeed, the unknown unknowns can cause the most harm. Where does that leave us? The unknown unknowns can cause the most harm. What it made me think of is Paul in the Areopagus. Remember when Paul goes into the Areopagus, Mars Hill in Athens, uh, and he says to the Athenians, you know, I, I see that you have this altar to an unknown God. Well, effectively, what we as humans tend to set up is an altar to an unknown fear. And we sacrifice to it. We sacrifice our peace, our joy, our contentment. We lay it right before something that's unknown. And we say, go ahead, take this. The unknown unknowns. If we don't have something to be afraid of, we create something to be afraid of. We imagine things to be afraid of. Fear is complicated, right? It's psychological, it's physiological, it's a reaction, it's a response to a perceived threat. Fear is an emotion, fear is a feeling. In some cases, fear is a disorder. Do you have pantophobia? I don't know, what's pantophobia? Fear of everything. That's it. Pantophobia. And five cents of counseling won't cure pantophobia. At its best, at its best, fear is something good. Fear is something that is given by God when it is directed and employed properly. Fear of the Lord is good. Reverence and awe of God Almighty is a good thing. 
Fear can be motivating force. It can be an inducement to service and to doing that which is good and right, to obedience. Fear can be also a preventative for us. We're afraid of consequences. And so fear becomes for us protective. It protects us from doing things that would harm us or would get us in trouble in some ways. But that's the good side. At its worst, instead, fear is awful. Fear is consuming. Fear is joyless. Fear can be weaponized. We see it all the time. We see it all the time in our day, the weaponization of fear. It can be crippling, paralyzing, and destructive. And to that negative side of fear, that negative understanding of what fear does, comes the message that is heralded by prophets, by angels, by the Lord himself, and the message is always the same to the people of God wherever they find themselves around the world, whatever the circumstances are, the message is this, fear not. Don't be afraid. Do not be anxious. Fret not. Among the many great messages, the many great themes that come to us as we contemplate the Incarnation, as we think of Christmas, as we are presented with the coming of Christ into the world, among the central things that are said, obviously three times just in the text that I read for us today, and I could have chosen more than I did, is this message. The child is coming into the world, fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. We can see it in these passages. Terror is the reaction. Fear not is the response. But of course, that begs the question, which is, why should I not be afraid? It seems like I should be afraid for any number of reasons, and in particular, it seems like a good time to be afraid would be in the presence of an angel of the Lord. Whence the fear? J.C. Ryle asked that question. Where does that fear come from? He writes this. It arises from an inward sense of weakness, guilt, and corruption. The vision of an inhabitant of heaven reminds us forcibly of our own imperfection and of our own natural unfitness to stand before God. If angels are so great and terrible, what must the Lord of angels be? Don't be afraid, okay? I hear you. Why? Why shouldn't I be afraid? Because bad things can happen, you know. And sometimes angels can bring destruction? Why shouldn't I be afraid? You ready for the answer? Eight. Eight reasons, at least eight reasons are given in the sections that I have read for us in Luke 1 and 2, and I'm going to give one bonus section as well. Eight countermeasures 
countermeasures against the soul-seeking missile of fear. A missile that is shot, it seeks out the heat signature of your peace and joy in Christ, and that's what it's targeting. It's targeting that, and it's honing in on your peace and your joy and your contentment to explode it with fear. Eight countermeasures. Send them out. First one is this, 113. I'll work consecutively through these passages so you can just turn in your Bibles as we walk along through each one of them. Number one, one, verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. God hears prayers. Don't be afraid. Now, it is hard to know exactly for, which, for what Zechariah was praying at this particular time in the service that he was rendering. He was in the temple, in the place, and offering service. He could have been praying there for the nation itself. That would be normal, and that prayer is being heard. Or was this some old prayer that related to the barrenness of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And the reason we wonder about that is because the answer is so personally tailored to them regarding the birth of a child. In one sense, it really doesn't matter what particular prayer is being referred to by the angel because the message is the same. Both will be answered. People of God, your prayers concerning your deepest longings and pains and fears. The ones that are known only to you are not known only to you. They are heard by your heavenly Father. They do not fall on deaf ears. Countermeasure number one, pray. Don't be afraid because God hears your prayers. Number two, do not be afraid, Zechariah, verse 14. You will have joy and gladness. And if we're going to talk about joy and gladness, let's throw in the shepherds here as well. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Joy and gladness are going to be yours, Zechariah, Yours and Elizabeth's, yours and the nation's, you have been hurt for years. Your longing has been unfulfilled for years. Our lives are full of deep sorrows and regrets and pains and tragic losses of people that we have loved. And they seem, on the one hand, to be insurmountable to us, to be irrecoverable, nothing could assuage that pain. But the abiding, the eternal, the powerful word of God declares, child of God, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because to you belongs joy and gladness. It is coming to you who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing less than that. 
you will laugh. Don't be afraid. Number three, look at verse 14 again. Do not fear, Zechariah. It is for you and it is for many as well. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness. You and many will rejoice at his birth. This is the wonderful dexterity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is glorious and it is wide in its mercy and many are carried along in the river of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many can come to that and drink of it and find eternal life and rest and peace and joy in Jesus Christ. The gospel is for many, but the fact that the gospel is for many, for all of us, for all those who call upon the name of the Lord, in no way implies that it is therefore just general or that the gospel is somehow impersonal. You, you, singular, Zechariah, you will have joy. You will have joy. Yes, the many will as well, but you will have joy and gladness. The gospel is never not deeply personal and intimate. Our call to worship today, I use it as a corporate call to worship, and it is all the first person singular that is in there. The gospel is indeed great and wide, but it always includes us personally. You are never overlooked. You are never just part of this crowd, part of the hoi polloi. Do not be afraid, people of God. You are loved. You individually are loved, and we are glad to be with you. We are glad to be around you in the love that God has for you. Now to Mary in verse 30 of chapter 1, the fourth. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary, according to her song, and her song is just a little bit later in the chapter, considered herself to be as one of no account She wasn't rich, she wasn't powerful, she was not influential. She was humble, she was not proud, and she, like all of her sisters and brothers in humanity, was one who was deeply in need and recognized her need of the mercy of God in her life. She possessed one thing. You know what the one thing she possessed was? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. She sang it this way. His mercy is for those who fear him. Acknowledging A, her fear, and B, her recognition that she needed the mercy of God. And now Mary, the God-fearer, is told, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and favor with God, may we never misunderstand it. Favor here is the word for grace. Mary, you 
have found God's gracious Father. The condemnation that belongs to all sinners has been removed. Don't be afraid. So we've got, so far, four of these countermeasures. God hears prayer. Joy and gladness will be yours, yours and many. And you have found favor, and now the fifth. And if you've got your Bibles open, I need you to look, because this is one that I didn't read for us earlier. I want you to look at the reaction when Zechariah is enabled to speak verse 65 of chapter 1, when he's able to speak and talk about what God has done, and fear came on all of their neighbors. The result of all that was taking place was fear existed. And then Zechariah begins to sing. And in Zechariah's song, when he sings, we read in verse 74, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. The message, the message, do not fear, belongs not only to the individuals who were intimately involved in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, but to the people who were around as well. Do not be afraid, people of God. You have been delivered from your enemies. For Israel... The enemies were a part of God's judgment against her sin. Deliverance is deliverance from the enemies, which is to say deliverance from the consequences of your sin, deliverance from the punishment, deliverance from a lifetime of slavery to fear, to the fear of death. You are delivered from that very thing so that now we can being delivered, serve him without fear. So there's two reasons. There's two countermeasures here. Do not be afraid you've been delivered. Don't be afraid. You are free to worship and serve the Lord without fear. And now to the shepherds for the final two reasons. Fear not, says the angel. I bring you good news. We are all familiar, I suspect, with the feeling that we get in the pit of our stomach when someone approaches us and says, I need to talk to you. And especially if that person happens to be whatever, our supervisor, our teacher, or something else, I need to talk to you. And we think to ourselves, oh no, what have I done? What have I said? And we review and we think back, how have I made this situation so bad? What am I about to hear? And we know the incredible relief when they say, no, no, no. No, no, no. I've got good news. Now multiply that for these shepherds in this situation. When confronted with otherworldliness, by the light, by the glory, by the holiness that characterizes the court of Almighty God. Without words, we, like they, imagining that situation, we would be stricken, we would be overcome by our unworthiness, ready to hear the very worst things about ourselves if we were bathed in the light of the glory of God and the holiness of God. We would, with all of the saints who have come before us, be ready to say, woe is me. 
Woe is me, wretched man that I am. And yet, in that state, how wonderful when the holy emissaries of the Holy One come and say to us, fear not, I bring you good news. That is what the gospel says to each and every one of us. Words of comfort, undeserved words of comfort. Do not be afraid. This is about good news of which we speak. And our final countermeasure then is the following verse. Why shouldn't I be afraid? Why is this good news for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord? Let's consider that as a progression. A Savior. Well, it's good news to hear that there is a Savior. We need to be saved from our enemies. We need to be saved from punishment and condemnation. We need to be saved from our sins. But, you know, saviors have come before. The book of Judges, they were saviors. Saviors have come and gone, and not all of the saviors saved us from everything. And things are still pretty difficult. What about this savior? Well, this savior is Christ. This Savior is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Priest, the Prophet, the King. He is the long-expected One, a Savior who is the Christ. Okay, but if He's the long-expected King, kings have helped before, and kings have harmed before, Kings have fallen into many, many bad situations. What makes this king better than any other king that is out there? He is the Lord, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is God incarnate. He is the Savior of saviors. He is the King of of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and therefore, when he saves, he saves to the uttermost. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And therefore, my fellow fearers of Almighty God, when you are assailed by fears, whether they come upon you quickly because of some situation that has developed, whether they are the same fears that have been with you for many years, lingering fears that are there, whether they come upon you as terrors in the night or dread that is unexplained. Let's pray and hear and believe the words of angels, the words of prophets, the words of the Lord himself. The love of God conquers fear. Do not be content with fear. Combat it. There are reasons why you should not be afraid. Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Lord, we hear these words, and uh, we've heard them before. The command to fear not is so familiar to us that we can almost not think about it. But we pray that you would help us to take these things to heart. We all know the fears that beset us. We pray that you would not allow us to be content with those fears, but instead we would seek to apply the command that is given to us, the generous, gracious command, the imperative to fear not. We pray that you would help us to understand the reasons why we should not be afraid in this world. Jesus, you are our great Savior, the Christ, the Lord of Lords, and we pray in your name. Amen.